speaking on the hope of Christmas. And the title of this morning's message is The Prophecy of Christmas. I'd like to turn to John, or uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, then also John chapter 1 and verse 45. That's Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, and John chapter 1, verse 45. Amen. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. And then in John chapter 1, verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Father, we thank you, God, for your word this morning. And God, we thank you, Lord, that it's alive. Lord, it's more current than anything that we see today. God, it is the present, past, present, and future. We thank you, Lord, that your word will be fulfilled and all that you say will be fulfilled. We thank you, God, that we hold in our hands the words of life. And God, I pray that they will become life to every one of us this morning. God, we just invite your presence. God, just open our minds, illuminate your word. Help us, God, today, Lord, to walk away from this place, enriched with the manna from heaven. Father, we ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Because Christ came to this earth as a babe born in Bethlehem, mankind has hope. Aren't you glad we have a hope this morning? Aren't you glad because of Jesus? It is a hope, it was the hope of the prophets that was spoken long ago that was fulfilled when Jesus left the glories of heaven. Think about this. God in heaven becoming flesh, tabernacling amongst us, humbling himself as a servant. That's what happened on that first Christmas day. And all that was fulfilled when Jesus left heaven and became flesh and dwelt among us. And this morning I want to speak to you about the fact that, folks, we have an authentic hope in the fact that the Savior, this Jesus, the promised deliverer, the one who was foretold thousands of years before, before his coming to this earth, is authentic. Because Christmas is an authentic celebration of a real Savior who came to this earth to save people from their sins. And because of this, we have hope in this life and the next. And I'm excited about the prophecies of Christmas. I want to share a few of them with you this morning. And some were actually uh, read this morning, as Tom and Susan was sharing. And because I want to share these because of the fulfillment of the prophecies of Christmas, bear witness of the authenticity of Christmas. Christmas is real. Christmas actually happened. If what the prophets foretold did not come to pass, think about this, we would have no Savior to celebrate. And folks, the mere fact that Christmas even exists also bears witness to its authenticity. Christmas is not a fabled story and tradition that our culture is desperately trying to hang on to. Not at all. Christmas is an authentic, is authentic because not only did Jesus come as a babe in Bethlehem, but he actually is who he said he was because he is the resurrected Son of God. And I praise God for that. But I want to narrow it down this morning. I believe that the prophecies of Christ's first coming are evidence in itself to prove that he truly is the Savior 
that, he, that, we, uh, that is celebrated at Christmas. What is prophecy? What is prophecy? Prophecy is simply this, the foretelling of something before it happens. The foretelling of something before it happens. I believe with all my heart that the Bible is true. I believe if you stack all the literature of mankind on one side, the Bible will be in a category all of itself because this is the only revelation that God has provided for mankind and for our rule and conduct. God's word is true, and I believe that it is a witness to itself. As you study the Bible, you see that as you study it, God begins to open up your understanding, and you see that this is not just another piece of literature like many in the world would say today, that this is the revelation of God to tell us where do we come from? What are we doing here? What happens when we die? God's word is true. Prophecy is just one of the witnesses that the Bible is true, that it is the one and only revelation of God to man. You know, what we believe, and this is a fact, what we believe as true, we have to accept by faith. Isn't that not true? We have to accept it by faith. In fact, whatever you believe in life, about life, and if there is an afterlife, you have to accept that by faith. And that's a fact. And why is this? Because there is not one individual on this planet that knows everything to know about everything that can possibly be known. Now, there's some people that act that way, but not everyone knows everything that can be known. In fact, if you, could, if you heaped all the knowledge of mankind together and collected all the data, we would find that there's still so much more to know than what is all already presently known, don't you think? I met a man I was witnessing in Chicago one day during an outreach, and he said, well, we just know everything that science has shown us up to this point. So I reject God. I reject your God. And he was, he was debating those things. But everybody has to accept by faith. If I were to go over to this, I like to use this illustration. If I were to go like this and just look at this, and I'm going to say, I'm going to try to describe the entire room around me by what I see. I only have so much knowledge of what I can see about this room. If I could know everything there is to know, I would be God. I can't. And everyone has to accept what they don't know, even the atheist, even the, the whatever, whatever the philosopher is, whoever that is, they don't know everything that there is to know, and neither do I. So what we believe in life, we have to accept by faith. And I believe that the Bible demonstrates that Jesus is who he said he was, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ demonstrates who he is. He is a resurrected dead man that was raised from the dead. Jesus said this. He said, I'm going, I'm going to die on, on the cross. I'm going to hang on the tree. And in three days, I'll meet you. In, I'm going to die. I'm going to raise. And then I'm, I'll meet you in Galilee in three days. Nobody would follow someone like that. Everything in the Bible is true. It's breathed by the Holy Spirit. When we read it, we can know that we know that we know that we know who the one who made it, even though we don't understand it all, because no one does. But we can understand that he understands everything that we don't understand. Do you understand? <laughs> we can't, all right? Okay. And so because the Bible is true, 
the Christ of Christmas is true. And folks, we have a hope this morning that is authentic. It is authentic because Christmas happened. Christmas happened. Therefore, the statement, Christmas is Christ, and we see the name Christ in Christmas, it is, that's a fully trustworthy statement and reliable because of the fulfillment of its foretold coming. This is the only one of many of the reasons that show us that the Bible is true, that Jesus is true. I have two main points this morning, and, this, and these are these two. You can memorize them. Um, let me read them. No. Uh, the first one is Christmas is foretold by God. And number two, Christmas is foretold for you and for me. I'm so glad for that. And that is why we have a genuine hope this morning. First of all, Christmas was foretold by God. Foretold by God. The coming of Christmas to this earth was foretold in the scriptures, in the Bible, from the very beginning. In the, from the book of Genesis all the way through Malachi. And if you're in uh, Italy, it would be Malachi. Okay, Malachi. Uh, the last book of the Old Testament. And Christmas was promised by God. I want you to see this. Ever since the fall of man, when man decided of his own free will to reject the commandment of God and to go his own way, and our sins have separated us from him ever since that time, since the fall of man in the garden, sin entered the world. It, was been, it has been promised. The apostle John refers to him in Revelation, that is Jesus, the promised Messiah, in Revelation chapter 13, 8, uh, it's not going to be up on the screen, but you can write that down, as the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world, or the Lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world, depending which translation. Jesus is the promised Savior who was sent to purchase, to redeem your sin and my sin, and to die on the cross, nailing our sins to the cross by paying the penalty for our sins. And we are saved from that penalty that our sins deserve from a holy God. And he took the hits, he took the blows, because he came as a babe on Beth, uh, in Bethlehem and became flesh and tabernacled amongst us, and he came to save us. And folks, we have hope. We have hope today. We praise God for these things. There are so many promises of Christmas that God gives to us in the Old Testament scriptures. This morning, we're going to take time to highlight only a few. And the first one we're going to look at is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. So you want to turn there, take in notes. It, we see here is a promised control, meaning that is that God is absolutely sovereign over the nations of this earth. Always has been always will be. God is the one, folks, that's in control, okay? He's not going to servant the free will of men, and sin can do all kinds of bad things. In fact, every bad thing on this earth we can attribute to sin and what human uh, behavior looks like without the heart of God and what we have gotten away from the original image that God created us to be. God is the supreme ruler over all God answers to no one. Of course, he loves you and he will answer your prayers. You look to him. But he accomplishes whatever he sets out to do. Isn't that wonderful? It's a promise control. Speaking to the serpent, back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that is Satan in the garden when Adam and Eve first sinned. God declares this. 
This is the promise. He says this to the devil. He says, and I will put enmity. That means hostility. I promise I will put enmity, hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, speaking of Jesus, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Here is the first promise, the first prophecy, the first foretelling of Christmas. It is a fact that will happen. And this prophecy comes immediately again in the garden after Adam and Eve uh, were deceived by Satan. Satan caused the downfall of the human race through deception. And the deceiving thing about deception is that it's deceiving. And you know, and we have a deceitful heart among us. We need the truth of the Lord. Sin entered the world through the deception of Satan and the choice of mankind to break the commandments of God. And since that time, again, nothing but heartaches has come to the human race as a result of sin. Nothing good ever comes from sin. But here are the promises that God gives us. He foretells the coming of a Savior. And he, uh, he's going to come and he will defeat the power of sin in man and to totally defeat Satan. And that's what, he, what Jesus came to do. God is basically saying right in the face of Satan in, this, in, in, in the garden, he's saying, I promise to crush your head through the offspring of this woman, Eve, and you know what? You're not going to be able to do anything about it. You're not going to be to do anything about it. In fact, in this verse, we see all the elements of the good news of the gospel for the first time in Scripture. A descendant, an offspring from the woman was promised to come to bring an ultimate victory for all of mankind. Here it was foretold that there would be a tempter, some descendant of the woman would, was going to destroy, that is the tempter, and it would be a son, and he will crush. It will be God's son. It will not be a mortal man, because mortal man cannot defeat Satan, but it would be a son of God. So here, God is promising Christian uh, Christmas, the incarnation, the word, Jesus, the Logos, becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us, the coming of a Savior. There will be a birth from the woman's seed, and he will come. He will be a descendant of, of, of Eve, of Adam and Eve, the human race. And then there is a, a suffering that will occur. We see this in this first prophecy. For Satan will strike this, this, this deliverer, this promised Savior, his heel. On the cross, nails would be driven into his feet. But the descendant will then bring a promised victory. And for he, that is the offspring, will crush Satan's head, and mankind would be delivered from the power of sin. Can you say amen for that? Praise God for that. He is the victorious God. And folks, God told Satan there was nothing he could do about it. Isn't God awesome? He's just absolutely awesome. God promised complete control. He had complete power over Satan. Folks, because of the fall of man into sin, we see the witness that the effects it has brought to man upon this world, but we also see today, in 2021, the effects of Christmas, the, the, effects, the fact that Jesus came to the earth, that he was truly born into the world, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross for our sins and was raised from the grave to new life. 
And because he lived, we can live eternally as well. What a great hope that we have all because of Christmas. Just think for a moment how God kept his promise to preserve a seed. Okay, Satan did not know who this was going to be. We know that, that he, he knew that it was going to come because he knows that God keeps his word. He keeps all of his promises. So as we read through the Old Testament scripture, we see how Satan tried time after time after time to destroy the woman's seed, not knowing who it was to prevent a savior from being born into the world. There was the Lion of Abel, the righteous Abel. We see Adam's son in Genesis chapter 4. Satan led Cain to kill Abel, but God gave Adam another son, Seth. We see also, and if you go through the genealogies of, of Jesus and, and, and of the line of David, the lineage of David, you can read the genealogies in Matthew chapter 1 and also in Luke, uh, the book of Luke. How many of the genealogies memorized? All right. How many go to sleep reading genealogies? All right. <laughs> that can happen, can't it? Okay. In the early line of the godly seed, though, seed, that is the offspring, Satan led the godly line of people to mix with the ungodly and led them into such vile wickedness that God had to destroy the earth, but God raised up Noah and preserved the seed. Genesis chapter 6. Then there was the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Satan led Esau to threaten to kill his brother Jacob, but God protected Jacob. In Genesis chapter 27. Then there's the line, the seed of the children of Israel. Satan led Pharaoh to attempt to kill all the male babies of Israel, but God saved Moses. We read this in Exodus chapter 1. Then there's the line of David, that is King David. And uh, Satan led several of David's son into sin and led them to commit and murder and disqualify themselves, disqualify themselves from the godly line. But God always kept at least one son of David alive, 2 Samuel chapter 13. Then there were the sons of David. Satan led Joram and one of Jehoshaphat's sons to kill all of his brothers, but God caused sons to be born to Joram to carry on the line. And then there was the line of Jehoshaphat's sons, and I'm going to get through this and make a point here real soon. Satan led an enemy to come to kill all the sons but one named Ahaziah. In 2 Kings chapter 8, there was a line of Ahaziah. At the death of King Ahaziah by Jehu, the wicked Athaliah, mounted the throne of Judah and intended to kill all the sons because it was prophesied that through the house of David, the Savior would be born. The Savior would be born. And she tried to kill them all in the Davidic line, and she succeeded all except for one little baby named Joash. And Joash was spared. And then uh, we see the line of the chosen people. Israel's in exile. And Satan led King Xerxes, or Ahasuerus, to plan to exterminate all the people, all, all of the Jews, but God gave the king a most restless, frightening night of sleep. And the king therefore spread, uh, spared the chosen line, and you read about that in the book of Esther. But Satan didn't prevail. He didn't prevail. No matter what he did, Christmas was going to happen. Whatever he did, it would never, they would never succeed. Jesus was born into this world from the seed of a woman, even after his birth. Think about this. Think about all the miracles of, of Christmas. Satan did not try uh, then. He kept trying to kill the Christ child. King Herod was led of Satan to slay all the babies in Bethlehem 
in an attempt to kill the promised child. Study the dreams. Take some time this Christmas season. Study the dreams and study the angelic warnings, how Joseph was warned in a dream. The magi, they were warned in the dream. All again and again and again, an angel appeared and, and they spoke, giving direction. All these miracles surrounding the birth of Jesus. We see that uh, Satan tried to tempt Jesus, but God's way prevailed always. We see Satan tried to lead the citizens of Nazareth uh, to try to cast Jesus uh, in his ministry off the cliff of a hill. And he says he just walked right on through. He just walked right on through. And then the Jewish leaders tried time and again to kill Jesus, but Jesus escaped time and again. You say, well, they did kill Jesus. Well, yeah, they, they, they played right into the hands of God's plan all along. It wasn't until his hour had come he said, my hour has not come, but it wasn't until his hour had come that Jesus was fr that freely laid down his life for you and for me. He says, I've, I have the power to take up my life or to lay it down. Jesus was not overpowered by the Romans. He laid down his life for you and for me. And that's why you have hope today. That's why we have hope. Praise God. God. And then Satan led the world to put Jesus on the cross and kill him. But folks, he was raised from the dead. You know, had the rulers of this age had known these things, they would never have crucified the Christ. They would never have crucified him. Folks, don't you see, I want you to see it today, that Christ crushed Satan's head as he, during, by his incarnation, by the incarnation. The cross would never have happened if it wasn't for the birth of Jesus. God foretold, he promised to the enemy's face, the enemy of our souls, that there will be a birth no matter what, and he will be defeated. In that first prophecy of Christ, his first coming at Christmas, he, this was a promise control, and that gives us hope. You know what that tells me? Look at Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 30. I love this. I love this. It says this. It says, there is no wisdom, there is no insight, there is no plan that can succeed against the Lord. <laughs> nothing. 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 God's going to pull it off, folks. You know, whatever he sets out to do, no matter what the circumstances in your life, God's going to get you through that. No matter what, uh, how impossible look, God's going to bring you through it. Every promise of God is true, and I want that to encourage you this Christmas morning. This morning, we have hope this morning because Christ came to earth on that first Christmas day. Praise God. To him be praised. I see here, and not to make light of it, but I really see there, I grew up watching Looney Tunes, and I remember watching the Wile E. Coyote and uh, chasing the Roadrunner, and, and we saw this, you know, the Coyote plots and conceives, but never hatches the road, uh, never catches the Roadrunner, always aspiring, never uh, attaining his goal. It says in Psalm 2 here, I wasn't going to read this, but I'm going to. It says this. Think about this. Think about this. Why do the nations conspire? Why in the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed, anointed one, speaking of Jesus. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king. 
Jesus. I've installed him on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today you have become my father. You, I have become your father. Ask of me and I will get, make the nations your inheritance. By the ends of the earth, your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. God is in control. God is in control of the ages. Praise God for that. It says here in, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I can't spend time on all the prophecies, but let's look at a few more. Isaiah 7, 14, we see another promise about the coming Savior, a promised conception. Look at this. The Bible is a witness to itself. It's a witness to itself. If you don't know Jesus and you're searching for truth, I encourage you, read the Scriptures. Read the Scriptures. There are people that had no faith in God when they read the Scriptures, one after another after another. God illuminates and shows to you that you can find Jesus. You can find Jesus. It says here, it's prophesied about his birth in Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth of a son, uh, to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. We see another prophecy about the birth of Jesus in Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, chapter 5 and verse 2, some 700 years before that first Christmas day. We see this prophesied, a promised city of birth, where Jesus, where the Savior, the anointed one, would be, would be birthed. It says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one, you can make, put all capitals there, deity, who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. We see in this prophecy another detail that, detail that pinpoints the events of Christ's birth. And look in, in Luke, the, the book called Luke, chapter 2, verse 4 through, C, 4 through 7, we see the exact fulfillment of this. We see this. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line, the lineage of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Where they were, while they were there, the time for the baby uh, came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in the cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them uh, in the end. Let's look at another prophecy of the coming Savior. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We see a promised character. This is the character of the Messiah, the Savior that was to come, the anointed one. It says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They're describing his character, what he's going to be, who he's going to be, what he's going to be like. He's going to be described as wonderful, which means this. Christ will be a supernatural wonder. He will be extraordinary. He will perform wonders. He will perform miracles when he comes. He will be a marvel. He will be a counselor. He will be one who possesses the wisdom of God. He will have the words of eternal life. Again, John chapter 1, verse 1. 
and the word uh, uh, in the beginning was the word, the logos, and the word was God, and the word was with God, God with us, coming to tabernacle with mankind in flesh. He would be a wonderful counselor, He's, and he would be uh, a counselor to advise, and he will show the way of salvation, the way of salvation. During his ministry, Jesus said that he will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor that will be with you forever, speaking of the Holy Spirit, who would come after he descended, after he ascended into heaven. The Spirit of Jesus will come to live in every follower of Jesus Christ, and he will come to you, and he will make his home in you, and he will be a paraclete, he will be a helper, one called alongside to help people. His character is described here, though. Isaiah said the Messiah, the Savior, will come to be a mighty God. He would be a valiant, powerful warrior. He would be the epitome of power. He would be all the fullness of the deity of God in bodily form. Paul writes this in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Imagine that. What a marvel Christmas is. What a marvel, what a miracle Christmas is. The Messiah also said that he would be an everlasting father who is, with eternal, who is eternal with God, who cares for his people as a father pities his children. He would also be a prince of peace, this, his promised character. He's saying that he will be a prince of peace. He would be a ministry of reconciliation who would rule and reign and will bring, as Pastor Josh uh, spoke last week, the peace of God. He would bring peace with God and deliverance from sin and death. Christ will come to bring peace to the human heart, to the human mind, and to life. How many are looking for peace? Pastor Josh spoke on that last week. We need everything that Christ has to offer us. The Christ of Christmas was spoken by the prophets. He was foretold and promised by God, praise his name. That's our first point. And why did he do this? Point number two, because Christmas is this. Christmas, were for, the prophecies of Christ were foretold for you and for me. It was foretold for you and for me. So what then do all these prophecies of Christmas tell us? I'm going to just share a few. In 2021, it speaks of these things. It speaks to us again, folks, of the authenticity of the scriptures. It shows us that the Bible is the word of God. God's word is good stuff, folks. If you don't have a steady diet of reading it, get into the word. Make that a New Year's resolution. Get into the word. You can start even before you have my permission, okay? All of it is completely believable. What you don't understand, ask the Lord to help you. You'll understand more about life than you will by people explaining where we came from, why we're here, and where we're going. I can accept this by faith more than I can accept what's out there. I can accept this by faith. It bears witness with my spirit, with my spirit that God is real. And I know, I know, it agrees with me, and it will agree with you. All the Bible is completely believable and relevant in our lives today. Psalm 119, verse 89 says this, Your word, speaking of the Bible, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Jesus said, not one, this is King James, 
one, not one jot, you know, a little mark or one tittle, not one dot, dot of the I, not one crossing of the T of Scripture, anything promised, not one heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Everything will be fulfilled that God says. He'll pull it off. I don't care what it looks like, God's going to do it. I don't care what anybody says out there, I'm going to believe God before I believe out there. I'm going to believe the Lord in here, and he's going to help you and me as well. As we believe in the promises of God for us, in time, folks, God's going to make good every single one. Every single one. Uh, as Moses said, God has made good every one of his promises. Maybe it was Joshua say that. Go study this week and find out. Okay. So this morning, you might be experiencing a tremendous trial. I don't know. But I'm encouraging you, do not give up. Um, stay in the place of faith. We need to stay in the place of faith, believing God in these times, in these chaotic times. God will keep his promise to you. Stand on the word, believe them. Pray the word. Believe God before you believe your emotions. Believe what God says about you, what God says about this planet, what God says about everything. All right? This, I'm just going to add this one. I don't believe, I'm going to, maybe I'll get in trouble for it, that's okay. Did you know that it's impossible for man to destroy this planet? The Lord says he's going to do it. I can, we can really mess up things in the planet, but God's the one that's going to do it. I don't care what man says about this planet. I'm going to recycle things. I'm going to do things, but I'll tell you what. God says heaven and earth will pass away. My word's not going to pass. He said he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. See, I'm going to believe what God says. There's good science and there's bad science. I'm going to believe the good science proves what God already knows. And that's what truth is. That's what truth is. The science that, that contradicts the word of God, I will reject that. I will reject that. And I will believe what God says over what science says because not all science is true. Amen? It's true. Think about that. Think about that. It's very true. God is there. Sometimes in life it may appear as if God has forsaken you, but he hasn't. I encourage you to keep looking to him. As you are faithful to God, he will fulfill every promise either in this life or the next. You say, well, you know, well, that just shows you that God isn't faithful to his promises. Read chapter 11 in Hebrews. And they died still not having the promises. They believed God. You believe God, even if you go to your deathbed, you can say, God, I haven't seen the salvation of my, my child, my son or daughter, but God, let it be known, Satan, let it be known that I'm going to my grave believing that they're going to come to Christ. I'm going to believe that with all my heart and, I'm, and lay claim for, your, for the salvation of your children. There's an encouragement also to everyone who seeks Christ. If you don't know Jesus this morning, from the evidence of the scriptures, this is the good news. Any person here, anyone here today can find him. Anyone can find him. Those who seek him, find him. John chapter 1, verse 45. We read this earlier. Let's look at that again. It says, Philip found Nathaniel. Okay, these, these would be the disciples. And this is what, they, they first discovered Jesus. They said, we have found the one Moses, what it spoke about in the Old Testament, about in the law, that Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, he's the one. The son of Joseph, he's the one. 
And so Philip and Nathaniel both found Christ because they knew what the scripture said. They believed the truth. Folks, if you don't know Jesus, you can know what the scriptures say. You can know the truth, and the truth can set you free, and you can have the hope of Christmas. Check it out. Christ has promised to completely save us from our sins. If we but look to him in faith, we turn from what all we know is wrong, and God will help you to do that, and it's a better plan anyway, and dedicate our lives to him. Let, let me ask you this morning, does Christ want you to come to him today if you have never put your faith in him? The answer is absolutely, absolutely. Will God forgive you of your sins if you sincerely come to him today? The answer is yes, yes. I want to give you that opportunity in a few moments. What else do the prophecies of, script, uh, of Christmas say to, mean to us? God knows you perfectly. He knows you perfectly. You, now, why would that be exciting that God knows you perfectly? That's exciting to me. Why is it exciting for us to realize that the fact that God knows everything about you, everything good, everything bad, everything about me, everything good about Joe Meyer, everything bad about Joe Meyer, why would that be exciting? Why? God knows your past. God knows your present. God knows your future. Why would that be exciting? It's exciting because God, who knows all things, still sent his son to die for you and me. That's exciting. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Folks, there is no, nothing that will hold God back from allowing you to come to him. Don't let anything in your heart hold you back to come to him. One more thing I want to share. Lastly, what do these prophecies of Christmas mean? It means all the prophecies of Christ's second coming are just as true. Isn't that awesome? We have a hope not only in this life, but for all eternity. Man, I got goosebumps. I really do. I'm not lying. I'm standing. <laughs> all right. John chapter 14, verse 3. Listen to this. Jesus promised this to every follower of Jesus. And if I go, if I go, if I ascend into heaven and prepare a place for you, here's my promise. I will come back. That's what he says. I'm going to come back for you and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. Folks, we can have a relationship not only now, but for all eternity. Paul said if, 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 if we don't grieve like those who have no hope. If it wasn't for the resurrection, we could pity us beyond all men. But we have a hope because Jesus is a resurrected dead man. He is the Son of God. And he came on Christmas. Did you know that there are 318 prophecies in 216 chapters of the New Testament that deal with the second coming of Jesus Christ? God is in control. Jesus Christ is coming again. No matter how dark the things become, we have a blessed hope. All the wrongs would be made right. No matter how messed up things are, 
Our culture's in danger. Parental authorities in danger. Our children are in danger. Our society's in danger. Our nation's in trouble. But God's in control. Say amen. He's in, he's in control. Nothing, nobody, no power, no strategy, no plot will, can, could prevent Christmas. The first coming of, Christ, of, of Jesus. And nothing will hinder his second coming. All the prophecies from Genesis to Malachi were fulfilled about Christ's first coming, and all will be fulfilled about his second coming. The question is this, are you coming to him? Come to the Christ of Christmas. You can have hope. I want us to bow our heads, close our eyes for just a moment.